1: Get ready to disrupt the status quo and embark on a journey of innovation and greater success. This is Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors, the ultimate podcast that will help you take your financial services practice to the next level. Your host, Eric Sussman, is excited to take you on an epic ride alongside esteemed guests. In this trailblazing show, we will unlock the secrets of success used by the best of the best. We'll share invaluable tips and techniques tailored specifically to elevate your practice. From mastering the art of client acquisition and engagement to leveraging the latest technology trends, we'll explore every aspect that can empower you to stand out from the crowd. No more conventional thinking we'll introduce you to cutting-edge resources and proven strategies that will catapult your business to unprecedented heights. So get ready to embrace the change and revolutionize your financial services practice. The time is now. The future is here. Welcome to Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors.
2: Okay, here we are. So today on Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors. We are joined by a true industry luminary. Now, for nearly two decades, he's empowered top advisors to break production records and has insightfully bridged the gap between advisors and consumers. As the founder of CSI Financial Group and the brains behind the transformative CSI's advisor partner platform, he's known as the Advisors Advisors. He is known as the Advisors Advisor. A visionary, always ahead of the curve, please welcome Mr. Carter Wilcoxon. Hey, Carter, how you doing?
0: Eric, thank you so much for that uh, wonderful introduction, and I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much for having me today. All
2: right. I am certainly looking forward to our chat this morning, and uh, let's get right into it, Carter. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey from working with top advisors to founding CSI
0: Financial Group? What, what inspired this transition? Yeah, that's a, that's such a great question. Loaded question. Hopefully we got enough time just to just answer this one, but <laughs> so I'll start from the very beginning and what ended up happening is my uh, father-in-law actually got me into the insurance world by having me go get my insurance license. This is over two decades ago. And I, I know that because me and my wife just celebrated 20 years this summer. He got me to get my insurance license to become an enroller to sell this is how I cut my teeth in the insurance world, sell two to $10 a week supplemental life insurance plans on the Navajo reservation in Northern Arizona and Western New Mexico. So that was like my beginning stages of getting into the insurance world and sitting across from Mr. and Mrs. Jones, so to speak, and uh, and selling these supplemental life insurance plans to where eventually I ended up uh, becoming a caddy at a very well-known, renowned, world-renowned private golf club called Whisper Rock in North Scottsdale, where I eventually uh, caddied for and got brought into the industry from a a gentleman by the name of Ron Schertz, who a lot of your listeners may know as the co-founder of the Anexus Group. And what happened over the next 10 years of that journey of working for him and being the number one internal wholesaler across the board throughout the Anexus Group, it really gave me an idea of what advisors struggle with and what they are challenged by. So that that path led me to ultimately going out and finding the capital that I needed to start my own firm. and But in between, where I really discovered the journey and the path of where the advisor partner platform was formed was I got back into the retail world and I had formed a relationship with an estate planning attorney in Covington, Louisiana, and I would fly out to her office. So I got back into the retail space to sit across the table for Mr. and Mrs. Jones, right? Um, And what that really enlightened me on was the understanding of the disconnect, really, or or what was needed to be more connected between estate planning and financial planning, right? So I I saw this as a great opportunity for myself to get into the retail space, because she would get her clients sitting in front of me, back-to-back meetings for an entire week. And when I would fly out to her office from Phoenix, Arizona, and we would incorporate life insurance, IUL, and uh, fixed index annuities into their already existing portfolios and where that really helped to give them a more successful uh, retirement solution, which is why the IFW thing, we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point. But that software, had it been available then, I don't know if I would have gone into back into the wholesale space. But that did help us form the entire client acquisition model that we call the Advisor Partner Platform and understanding again, the challenges that advisors face whenever they're trying to create a relationship to ultimately monetize those relationships, implementing life insurance and annuity sales.
2: Amazing. That's a really awesome story. And you're probably not the first caddy to ever get recruited by a successful person. So that, that's an awesome story though.
0: Yeah. Interestingly enough, From what I heard, this was years later, they have orientation. We're coming into the season out here in Phoenix, right? Which I got my sweater vest on. It's a cool 72 degrees outside this morning here in Phoenix. But it's season. And at orientation at Whisper Rock, they share my story to all the new people at orientation about this is what could happen to you, right? So I, I don't know if I was the last, but I was definitely the first.
2: Amazing. With your extensive experience,
0: what are some of the common
2: challenges you feel like advisors are facing to to increase their production? And and how does your platform address some of these challenges?
0: Whenever COVID hit, we really took a hard look at what our advisors were doing. Because as someone who considers themselves to be a visionary and being able to connect the dots fairly quickly, I started doing a, a little bit of research an audit, if you will, of our advisors online presence. Right. And I put myself in the shoes of a prospect and I was like, okay, if I'm a prospect and I have these, these advisors, I'll I'll use that word loosely, right. It could be a financial advisor, insurance advisor only, but I started really thinking about if I was a prospect, like why would I do business with this person? So the challenge has become now is that the vast majority of almost without exception of the clientele that these uh, advisors are working with, the, the baby boomers that are retiring, ten to fourteen thousand a day, depending on you know what statistics you look at, they're they're all sixty five ish, but every single one of them have been forced to get comfortable being online. So now that they're comfortable being online, what does your online presence say about you? So that's why we built out this platform to end to end branding and marketing, helping advisor look bigger than they are because they are competing right, wrong, or a difference against the Edward Jones and the Raymond Jameses and the Merrill Lynches of the world. And if you don't look the part, these clients, they will absolutely ensure that they're comfortable by Google proofing you from the outset. So that's something that we really took a hard look at. And we want to be able to help advisors get to a level where the appearance worst case scenario is that they can be that provider of solutions that they want to provide. So you really help them with their online presence. A hundred percent. No doubt about it. We bring what we call a multidisciplinary team approach to them where they become the quarterback of a team of specialists that really help their prospects feel comfortable that you're not just a one man show. That was the one thing that I, I, when I did this audit, the appearance online right perception is reality the appearance is that these advisors they're solo advisors right working out of the trunk of their car as we say right. In the, right so you can't do that any longer it's an absolute it's a non-starter because there's so many options because it's a very competitive space on my end it's a competitive space trying to work with advisors you got all these different IMOs that are trying to provide all the same products right if you will what I wanted to focus on is how do we help with the marketing and the branding with client acquisition so that a client can win what I call, I'm sorry, an advisor, our client, could win what I call the relationship war. And if you can win the relationship war by perception on the front end, it gives you at least a fighting chance when these clients are looking to start getting money in motion.
2: Absolutely, fantastic. And that, that actually leads me into to my next question, which is what do you think are the, are the critical elements of a successful lead generation strategy for financial advisors?
0: So there are, historically speaking, there are two ways that an advisor grows their practice. I guess the third would be maybe acquisition, but that, that might be a, a different type of a conversation. But traditionally, there's been two ways. One has been referral-based model, or what I'd like to say, introductions. And by the way, an introduction and a referral are two totally different things that lead to much different uh, successes, if you will. And then the other way, obviously, are doing workshops, educational events that a a prospect, you get a room full of prospects. We talk about the subject matter and everything. And the reason why we landed on estate planning as that foundational subject matter is because hardly any advisors are doing this, right? A lot of them, and and whenever I started again, going down this path and, and creating the advisor partner platform I knew that the number one workshop that advisors were doing were social security workshops. And mm-hmm. I had heard time and time again from the advisors that were doing that, that yes, were they getting a lot of people in front of them? Sure. But segueing from the social security conversation to how do I now get money in motion, that became a more of a disconnect. So inherently, the estate planning process that we've developed, a proprietary process, inevitably helps to bring that that awareness around the need for some of these solutions that that an advisor ultimately wants to be able to incorporate aka monetize that relationship or have a transaction occur
2: so you have a proprietary like a estate planning workshop that can help advisors get in front of people and then it's a nice transition into the products and services that we want to parlay into combining with that estate plan
0: I, I couldn't have said it any better than that. And that's exactly right. And that's the the fear. And I want to address this right up top. The fear, especially in our space, and this is two decades I've now been in this space, the fear has been this unlawful practice of law, right? When you start talking about estate planning. But here's what an advisor really needs to understand. They're already an estate planner, right? When they fill out the beneficiary forms on a life insurance plan or an annuity uh, product, wow. they just planned their estate. That's exactly what they do. Now, that is completely different than being an estate planning attorney, of which our proprietary process has those attorneys that are part of that team that an advisor is able to tap into and retrofit what they're maybe already doing or different, starting to differentiate themselves by incorporating our our proprietary process.
2: Amazing. Share a recent trend or shift in the industry that you think advisors need to pay attention to.
0: I touched on it a little bit earlier, and it is this necessity to have an an online presence. The shift has been from COVID, right? Pre-COVID, post-COVID are two different worlds. Your prospects are online every single day now because in order to keep up with the family when you couldn't travel and maybe you were fearful to travel or whatever the case may be, and you've got kids, maybe the parents retire in Arizona or Florida or whatever, or the kids move away and they end up in, in Kansas or Iowa or whatever. The best way to be able to stay in communication has been exactly what we're doing right now, right? We're doing this podcast on Zoom, right? Right. Five years ago, if I would have said, hey, let's Zoom, you would have been like, I don't even know what you're talking. You're talking a foreign language, right? Even though Zoom's been around for a long time in virtual meetings, the point being is that these prospects have become, the trend is that these prospects are online every single day. They have a digital footprint, if you will. So because of that, by golly, you better make sure you've got a great online presence because they're already comfortable online. And not only that, the the opportunity here becomes for an advisor because of this is that they can expand their reach. They're no longer limited to just their own backyard to try to acquire clients. They can now expand their reach because those prospects are comfortable having meetings virtually.
2: Absolutely. I've seen that significantly. It definitely was a good thing for the Institute of Financial Wellness as well. Let me ask you this. How do you ensure that the solutions provided by CSI Financial Group, are not only beneficial for the advisors, but also for the consumers?
0: Yeah, we take a, a a very comprehensive approach on looking at the different products, providers that are out there, right? And you've got a whole mess of them to to have to disseminate and decide on what is the one that at the end of the day, an advisor's never going to have to apologize for incorporating, right? We, on a regular basis, go through these different contracts, and we get into it, and we read the contracts, and we understand the good, the bad, the the ugly, if you will. Providing that is a inherently the most important part of our uh, approach to recommending an advisor because it's, it's our neck on the line to the advisor because ultimately, and this is where my background and experience of sitting across the table for Mr. and Mrs. Jones comes into play, right? I know that it's them, their recommendation, that's actually coming for me that is going to be the difference between a potential referral slash introduction also. So knowing that we do all of that uh, dissemination and discernment and peeling back the layers of the onion on the devil and the details that are these index annuities or, or IUL products, that is what we're doing on the front end to provide that level of comfort that an advisor feels from coming and working with us. So that is, a, is something that we take very seriously. And I, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but something that is a meaningful approach that we take.
2: So the bottom line is you're really studying the products so that when you help the advisor understand what product they should recommend, that they're not going to have mud on their face and, and you do the research.
0: They're the boots on the ground, right? It's uh, it, it's very important. And again, that is the difference I feel from me versus probably most principles that have that are running or started an IMO is that I have been in the field. I've sat there. I've had to, I've delivered policies. I've had free looks. I've had death claims. I've had all those different things that I've experienced. So I can empathize and understand not only the challenges, but also the mechanics that an advisor is implementing and incorporating in order to win again, what I call the relationship war.
2: Absolutely. Now, you've helped a lot of advisors. I'd love to hear one great success story that you could share with us of an advisor that you took from here to the next level.
0: Yeah. Let me start with this. This is a a normal theme whenever I have a conversation with someone that has gone through the entire process. And I'm talking three, four years later, going back to them. I'll pose the question, right? Knowing what you know now, when would you have started? doing what it is that we have trained you to do and they would they without exception they would have started it from the outset so I'm, I'm saying that to say that these are people that when they start down this path they don't change right and the the one thing that, that i've recognized working with advisors it's the shiny object syndrome right they're like oh squirrel right and then now it's something new and shiny or whatever persistency is key and i will tell an advisor before we even get started When you embrace this, it's not going to be the whole transactional type of a thing that you've done maybe in the past. This is going to be transformative. If you do this right, these clients that you work with, so careful what you ask for, you're going to be working with them in perpetuity. So Mm -hmm. with all that being said, one specific example sticks out maybe more than others because it happened during COVID. I had an advisor who, when she first started working with CSI Financial Group, hadn't even sold an annuity. She was a Medicare supplement agent, never sold an annuity, never had to been an appointed with an annuity carrier whenever she first started working with us. And this was pre-COVID. During COVID, after we helped form her, got her marketing or branding, had her doing the workshops with proprietary state planning workshops, went through all of that different training and everything. During COVID, she had an opportunity to move where she was starting to get, gain some traction in Illinois. She was going to move to Northwest Arkansas and restart her practice. And she was so afraid of what that was going to look like because she was gaining traction. But she felt like long term, that's what she needed to do. So we helped her become the influencer in her area during COVID because of her insistence on making sure that her branding was something that was, she embraced the whole idea of she has to have an online presence, right? You, can, How do you start in a brand new community you've never been in before and not have an online presence, right? Duh. Yeah. So we really helped facilitate that and do a lot of the things that ultimately took her from when she was making, I think the first two years she was doing this in Illinois, then COVID hit, then she moved to Northwest Arkansas. She was making like $180,000 a year. When she first started, which is good money, nothing wrong with that. To where now, like four years later, that traction that she's gained from building that foundation that we helped her with, now she's, I think she's gonna make somewhere around $800,000 this year.
2: That's amazing.
0: Never, from never being appointed with an insurance company to six years later, now gonna be making, and, and I'm talking about incorporating life insurance and, and annuities. We blend those two around here very nicely. We consider ourselves specialists in both of those areas. My business partner really helps to do a lot of that planning. And we it's we mix and match or blend annuity and life insurance, not an either or scenario. So anyway, the point being is that her success has been, for me, the the staple of an example on taking someone from never even having an insurance carrier or annuity carrier to now 800000 and plus that she's making on an annual basis.
2: And that's got to be extremely rewarding as well. How do you see the future of lead generation and, and client acquisition for advisors? Anything you think that's going to be a big change?
0: Yeah, again, it happens on a regular basis. Let's talk a little bit about the um, what's happening right now. If you are a financial advisor, of which because I'm insurance licensed and I get all, I have all those licenses, whenever I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or, or not really so much LinkedIn, You're seeing all over the place, all these different promises of helping with lead generation. And not to say that that we've beta tested some of those things and they are actually helping. Now, when you start incorporating some of the things that AI are going to enhance and help out with as well, I think that the lead acquisition and the data that is able to be scraped that's out there for these baby boomers again, or even business owners or C-suite Henry's, as we call them, right? High earners, not rich yet. That there are going to definitely be the ability and the opportunity for some of these lead generation things that are will absolutely enhance what it is that you are, are doing. But never get it wrong that we are in the relationship business. No matter what happens, the whole robo advisor thing, that'll never take hold fully the way that maybe people might perceive it. Uh, Because at the end of the day, we're in the human to human business, right? We are in the relationship business and you are going to have clients that are going to expect that there's going to be somebody there because of how emotional, just again, inherently that money is.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. There's those robo advisors and things like that. And there's, there is an element of people that are do it yourselfers, but more than not people, they want a relationship They're busy. They don't have the time to research, even though the information's available on Google. You can get your MBA online as well, right? Not everybody's going to do that. I always joke around and I say, you could probably go on YouTube and figure out how to do your own root canal. Doesn't mean you're going to do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, And again, TikTok, which I'm not even on TikTok. I don't have TikTok. But if you look at the statistics... The millions of people that are looking for financial advice from younger people, it's there. And if the insurance advisor of yesterday is not understanding the dynamics of the change, which we have a very good pulse on that, you will become a dinosaur and you will not be able to survive. So you've got to de- definitely make sure you understand the leveraging that technology can technology can assist with. But at the end of the day, my point being is that still nothing ever changes People expect there to be someone on the other end of the line, whether that be virtually or a phone call or a text or whatever, that they know some human component is going to be there to assist them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then last question, two more questions, but mo- most important question. What about a new advisor coming into the business? Any recommendations there for, for somebody like that? that? That lady that you
0: spoke of was
2: a she's super example of somewhat new.
0: It really is. There's no doubt about it. If you are going to be new into this business, I cannot press upon you enough that perception is reality. Just put yourself in the shoes of your prospect. When you put yourself in the shoes of your prospect and you turn the mirror around, you look in the mirror and you're just like, what do they see when they look at me? What differentiates you? What makes you look better and stronger and more uh, capable of providing something, and that's the reason why a lot of new uh, agents and advisors they start out in these captive shops, right? They they work with an Ameriprise, or they work with Bankers Life back in the day, or some of these captive agent, National Life Group. I think has like a, a captive thing, right? Because again, you don't really know how to prospect, you don't really know some of the things. So we are able to take someone that is brand new in the industry and essentially almost overnight right? Make them look bigger than they are, get the perception that they're bigger than they are. This multidisciplinary team approach of specialists that are around you, which includes attorneys and tax mitigation specialists, CPAs and all that stuff. You have to, at the very onset, decide on that you're going to take a strong look at what your prospect is going to look at. And if you can get yourself in the shoes of the prospect, you'll quickly understand that why would they do business with me? And it can almost become a little defeatist, but we're <laughs> here to help. That's what we do. We are laser focused on client acquisition. And, and that's why we actually call CSI Financial Group a PDO. Even though we are considered an IMO in this space, a PDO, a practice development organization is what we've been so focused on building out to really help an advisor, even if they're new in this industry to build their book of business very, fairly quickly.
2: Amazing. Amazing. And
0: last question, what software tools are you using out there now? Any particular ones? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So number one, you know, what, what I recognized that the need for a digital platform when it comes to estate planning. So CSI Financial Group as a CEO and the founder, we actually created an, an offshoot, a completely separate company called Epic Services Company and Epic Services Company becomes the digital estate and legacy planning platform that an advisor can be able to tap into that makes up part of that, that the attorney connectivity when it comes to estate planning that eliminates the whole fear of unauthorized practice of law that our, I know that our industry traditionally has kind of shied away from because we got a lot of those previous class action law lawsuits and, and trust mills and everything. But you have a whole bunch of options that are out there. We had we take it to a very comprehensive, white-glove, end-to-end approach using Epic Services Company and that digital platform that enables us to work with clients no matter where they're at, an advisor's client, no matter where they're at in the country on a digital platform. So that's one of the the key software takeaways. The other thing is CSI Financial Group and me as being my own advisor, we decided to uh, pull the trigger, if you will, on IFW's software that really enables us to take a client that we now have on the estate planning side and incorporate and show them what you guys call the dynamic distribution. I fell in love with this. Whenever I saw this, I'm like, this makes all the sense in the world. BlackRock has this amazing piece. It's a two-page piece that talks about here you are on accumulation. No matter how you get there, 7%, whether it's up and down markets and regular, just an even 7% or down, it, it doesn't matter. You arrive at the same location when you're not taking distributions, the same exact value. It does not matter. But the dynamic distribution part of your guys' software that I fell in love with ties right into what we talk about on the decumulation side. Most people and most advisors, if you don't know this, and this is an analogy, this is statistically the reality of it. But as an analogy, when people climb Mount Everest, the accumulation phase, that is not where the deaths on Mount Everest occur, where the deaths occur. The vast majority of them is when they start coming down the mountain again, tying that analogy into when you're taking accumulation dollars and now you are taking income from those. If you don't understand the dynamics of taking those distributions in a down market, you are doomed to fail especially if when we're talking to seniors they don't have a lot of time on their side any longer right they had plenty of time to accumulate but they do not so you have to have an accumulation provider on the upside that's fine but when you start taking income you have to have a an income decumulation specialist that's part of your team and that software really provides an ability to visually show you the success you're going to have with or without the solutions that, that an indexed annuity can, can provide.
2: Wow. Thank you. Thanks for the plug. I appreciate that.
0: Look again, I literally, I never buy anything, buy into anything unless I do it myself. I'm never going to make a recommendation, anything, unless I'm doing it myself. When I saw that software, I I was, for me, it was a no brainer. It's very simple, right? You're like doing what you're doing now, based upon the age that you're going to turn, right? You are going to have, I'm just using random numbers here, but a 67% chance of success. But if we rebalance and we reallocate to something that we can provide over here, now you become 96, 97, 98, 99% chance of success. So it just becomes a rhetorical question. Which one do you want to have? If you're going to hop in an elevator and you know that you're going to get in an elevator and you got a 67% chance that it's going to, you know, get you to the floor you're going to, or a 99% chance that you're going to get to the floor that you're going to get to, which one do you want?
2: Of course. Carter, it has been amazing. I learned a lot. Clearly, CSI Financial Group is a great place for advisors that want to take their practice to the next level. You've got evidence of doing that with that young lady, which is so impressive. Thank you for your time today. It was wonderful. And I look forward to continuing many more conversations.
0: Absolutely, Eric. Thank you so much again for having me. And it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you for being part of our community of forward-thinking financial advisors on Revolutionary Practices for Financial Advisors. We hope you've gained valuable insights from our exceptional guests and Eric Sussman's expertise. As you continue your journey to take your financial services practice to the next level, we encourage you to stay curious, adaptable, and always open to innovation. The revolution has just begun, and we're excited to have you on board. Stay tuned for more game-changing episodes, and until next time, keep pushing the boundaries and revolutionizing your practices.